If you have your Bible, you can open up to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 is where we are headed together today. As we continue our series, Learning to Listen. Learning to Listen, Romans chapter 12. We'll be picking up in verse 9 in just a little bit. And so throughout this series, we've been considering this call to be a listening people, to be a people who listen, uh, beginning with the role of silence as we cultivate uh, quiet listening spirits. Uh, we've talked about listening for God, our good shepherd, whose voice we hear and recognize and know and, and follow. Last week, we talked about listening to our own lives as we share and reflect on our stories together. But at the very beginning of this series, the, the sort of place where we began all of this, we considered what Jesus said and called the, the greatest commandments to love the Lord your God and to love your neighbor as yourself. And we saw that these commands begin with a call to listen. With a call to listen, he begins by saying, Hear, O Israel, listen up, people of God. You see, the command to love also includes a call to listen. We cannot love if we have not listened. And so throughout this series, we've seen that love requires listening. Love requires listening. But today, I, I want to turn this around and consider the fact that listening requires love. Listening requires love. And so, uh, before we read our text, I want to ask, have any of you heard the, the ancient parable of the elephant and the blind men? Right? A few people nodding their heads. Um, I think it has its roots back to ancient India. It goes something like this. A group of blind men come across this creature called an elephant that they have not known before. And because they cannot see it, each of them approaches it to feel it in order to learn what this creature is. And so one man grabs the elephant's trunk and says, oh, this creature is like a, like a large snake of some kind. And then another man touches the elephant's ear and says, oh, it's thin like a sheet of paper or something. Another one finds the leg and says, oh, this creature is, it's like a tree trunk. Another one places his hand on the elephant's side and says, this creature is like a great big wall. And yet another finds the tail and says, this creature is like a rope. Now, this parable has been used in all manner of ways, but at least one of the points that it makes is that when you are talking about a creature as large as an elephant— you're going to have to use a whole lot of different descriptions to really wrap your mind around what this thing is. Snake, paper, tree, wall, rope, right? All of these, it just seems like a random assortment of things and objects. But really, they are all different ways of describing this elephant from different angles, from different places. And the passage that we're reading today, Romans 12, is much like that, does the very same thing, but with love. But with love. 
You see, on the surface, it just seems like a random list of commands and instructions as we read. But really, what this passage is, it's like Paul is reaching out his hands to this large thing called love. And he's describing it in a great variety of ways so that we might become a people of love. Or, I might add for our context, so that our listening can be a listening of love. Listening with love. And so let's read together this multifaceted and practical description of love. Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we thank you for the gift of your love and for this call to be a listening people. I pray that we might become a people who listen with love. God, as we reflect on the words of your scripture together this morning, we ask that you would sharpen our minds and soften our hearts, that we might know you and love you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, so this passage, it, it, it reads just like all kinds of different things. But all together, Paul is describing what it means to be a people of love. To be a people of love. Now, I don't have three points starting with the same letter or anything like that for you today. I just want to walk through this passage together and, and consider what it is to love. To, along with Paul, feel the contours of this large thing called love. And to consider what it means for us to become 
loving listeners, the people who listen with love. So back up to verse 9. This passage begins, love must be sincere. Love must be sincere. Paul begins his description of love by saying, love must be sincere. Love must be genuine. The, the Greek word here is anhupikratos, which is literally anti-hypocrite. Love must be anti-hypocritical. It must have no hypocrisy. There must be no ulterior motives in love. And as we consider this in the context of listening, there are all kinds of ways to listen. All kinds of reasons that people listen, right? Some people listen for power so that they can become the smartest, most well-informed people in the room and sort of wield that over everyone else in the room. Some people listen for money, right? Think of all the advertisers that are listening and following to the greatest trends just so they can give you the ad that'll convince you to buy their thing. Some people listen in order to manipulate to take control of a situation, right? Think of politicians trying to spin a story or teenagers spreading gossip. And gossip doesn't stop with adolescence, let's be honest. We could go on and on, right? And if we're honest, most of us listen with some kind of selfish motive playing in the background. Many, many of us, most of us, listen in order to fill in the blank, right? We do listen, but, it, but it's in order to blank. It's, it's so we can gain something, so we can get something out of it most of the time. I, I just had this experience with Caitlin last night, right? She said something, and I very quickly responded defensively, kind of deflecting what she had said. You see, I, I was listening. I did hear what she said, but it was a selfish listening, not a sincere listening. But Paul says love must be sincere. Love must be sincere. As we listen with love, we must not listen to manipulate, to control to gain, to defend. We must listen simply to listen. Our listening must be sincere. No hypocrisy, no ulterior motives. Just listen openly, honestly. Love must be sincere. But Paul keeps going. Right? Our listening must be sincere, genuine, pure, without ulterior motives, but not without discernment. Paul goes on to say, hate what is evil and cling to what is good. And so as we seek to, to listen with, with open hands and open hearts, no ulterior motives, we must still be discerning about what it is that we hear. Because not everything that we hear, not everything we listen to will be true or right or good. 
Listening requires discernment. See, as we listen openly and sincerely, we must consider, is there anything in this that I'm hearing that is good, that, that I ought to cling to, that I ought to hold on to? While also asking, is there anything in this that is evil, that I should let go of? See, part of doing this with sincerity is realizing that we often don't rightly know good from evil, right? We often uh, mix those things up ourselves. We often enter into things with a number of preconceptions, an ample amount of prejudice. Listening with love tells us that prejudgment is false judgment. There may be things that, that we love and, and trust and listen to that, that we ought to be more discerning about. There are other things that we doubt and, and dismiss and, and, and push away that perhaps we ought to listen to more closely. We must hate what is evil and cling to what is good. And we must do so with sincerity. So listening with love calls us to look within ourselves at our motives. Am I sincere? Is my listening genuine or am I trying to get something out of it? As I listen, am I, am I wisely discerning what is good and what is to be let go of here? It's this reflective way of listening. But then in verse 10, Paul begins to move from the inward posture to an outward posture. He says, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. You see, over and over again, Paul is using this one another language. He's going to use it again down in verse 16 when he says, live in harmony with one another. See, love is oriented toward one another. It's oriented toward one another. So as we listen with love, we do so with devotion and honor. Be devoted to one another. Honor one another. Listening to someone doesn't just mean letting sound come into our ear but rather it means being devoted to that person as they're sharing. It means being attentive to each word, to the tone that they're spoken with, to the expressions on the face as that person shares. Hearing is passive and involuntary, but listening is active and intentional, which is to say listening takes devotion. It's something we have to actually be devoted to. And what do we do with what we hear? What do we do with, with what we are listening to? Well, we honor it. We honor it, right? We honor one another in our listening. Honoring means taking what is said 
seriously. It means taking the person that we're listening to seriously. This, this word honor is used elsewhere in Scripture in the context of worship. It, one example in Revelation chapter 7, a book filled with, with one worship chorus after another, uh, says praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Honor is a word of reverence and worship. Now, of course, Paul is not telling us to worship each other when he says honor each other, but what Paul is saying here reminds me of something that C.S. Lewis wrote in his essay, The Weight of Glory, in which he reflects on the glory that awaits us in God's coming redemption. And he says, remember that the dullest, most uninteresting person you can talk to may one day be a creature which, if you saw it now, you would be strongly tempted to worship them. That that is what it looks like to be fully redeemed and to, to live in the glory of God. Every person here has that kind of glory within them as we are redeemed in the Lord. We are glorious beings created in the image of God. So to honor one another is to listen with an awareness of that reality. Every person is created in the image of God, worthy of dignity and respect, of honor. To honor one another is to take each other seriously and to respond with respect. This means that as we listen, we listen with confidentiality, right? We don't just go spreading around what we've heard to everyone else. We hold what we hear safely, securely. We, we are trustworthy with what we hear. Because as we listen to others, we're not just dealing with stuff. We're dealing with people created in the image of God. Honor one another above yourselves, Paul writes. This changes how we listen to one another. So listening with love calls us to devotion and honor as we are oriented toward one another. But love doesn't end there. Right? Listening is not just a conversation between me and you. In verses 11 and 12, Paul begins to back up and make this picture even bigger. He writes, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Listening with Love calls us to purify our motives. It calls us to orient ourselves towards other, but also it calls us to remain aware of God's presence with us as we listen. 
See, listening with love opens up a whole new dimension of life. It's not just about me and you. It's about us and God. It's about us and God. As we seek sincerity and turn toward one another, Paul also calls us to carry a spiritual fervor in service of God. As we listen, we, we can remain rooted in things like joy and hope and patience despite affliction. And we listen faithfully in a posture of prayer. Listening with love, I love this, it begins to blur the lines between conversation and prayer. It begins to blur the lines between conversation and prayer because when we listen with love, conversation with others turns into prayer to God. And prayer to God takes place within conversation with others. It's this whole different way of listening and being with people to do that prayerfully. You know, we've been talking about story groups. I've been talking about spiritual conversation recently. And there's this very simple prayer that I like to pray as I enter times like these with other people. And it's simply this. Lord, help us to listen to one another and to hear your voice in our midst. Help us to listen to one another and to hear your voice in our midst. Right? This is the kind of listening that, that is prayerful, where as we're in conversation with each other, we are also in communion with God. And this kind of listening with attention to one another and awareness to God takes practice, right? It doesn't always come naturally to, to, to listen that way. It, it, it's developed like a musician's ear listening to a symphony, right? A, a musician who listens to a symphony does not only hear the melody, but also the harmonies that are going along with it and the counter melodies that are underneath that, right? There is layer after layer of music. And a musician learns to listen to all of those different layers. And listening with love, as Paul describes it here, is the very same way. We do not only hear the words on the surface, but also the movement of the Spirit and the voice of God in our midst. Just like a musician, it takes practice and intentionality to listen this way. The only way to learn how to listen to music is to listen to music and really listen to it. And in the very same way, the only way to learn how to listen with love, as it's described here, is to listen deeply. To enter into these kinds of intentional spaces for deep listening with the awareness that God is here with us as we listen and as we share. This is why I'm, I'm so looking forward to these story groups that are getting started and so on. I mean, I, 
That's why I'm always talking about trying to have spiritual conversations with people. These are intentional spaces where we're actually able to practice this kind of deep spiritual listening with an awareness of the presence of God in our midst. And and, and the hope is that in, in practicing this in certain places, that posture of listening will spill out into the rest of our lives so that every interaction we have is also an interaction with God. So that everything that we do, we are doing with God, with an attention to what God might be up to. And so listening must be done with love, with sincerity and discernment, with attention to one another and awareness to God. So as we mix all of this together, we arrive at this thing called hospitality. Hospitality, which Paul directs our attention to in verse 13. He says very simply, practice hospitality. Pursue hospitality. See, hospitality occurs when we are present to one another with the redeeming and transforming presence of God. Hospitality occurs when we are present to one another with the redeeming and transforming presence of God. One of my favorite and perhaps the best definitions of hospitality comes from Henry Nouwen, who wrote, Hospitality is the creation of a free space where the stranger can enter and become a friend instead of an enemy. Hospitality is not to change people, but to offer them a space where change can take place. I love that. Listening with love is an act of hospitality that leads to transformation, where strangers and enemies alike can become friends within the abiding love of God. And it's this picture of transforming hospitality that really gets unpacked throughout the rest of this passage. He goes on to write, Bless those who persecute you. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Be willing to associate with people who are are in a different position than you. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. All of this is describing an environment of hospitality where strangers and enemies can be transformed into friends through the love of God. To continue using the metaphor of music, as we listen to the music of others, we are called to creatively play in the same key with them. That's what it is to listen with hospitality. As we listen to the music of others, we're called to creatively play in the same key as they are. 
And the text of our passage uses this kind of musical imagery as it says, live in harmony with one another. Verse 16, live in harmony with one another. I once heard a story told by a guitarist who used to play with the great jazz musician, Miles Davis. And, and he tells this, this story. He says, we had the audience in the palm of our hands. And right as everything was really peaking, Miles was soloing on and on. I played this chord and it was completely wrong. Just completely wrong. And Miles took a breath, played some notes, and the notes he played made my chord right. The notes he played made my chord right. Somehow what he chose to play fit my chords to the structure of the music. I love that story. That's what it is to create a hospitable place. And it takes listening to do that, right? Miles Davis was playing and he heard that chord and it may have been surprising and unexpected, but he went with it. And because he was listening, he made that wrong chord right. Listening creates a space of hospitality where transformation can happen. And that is what we are called to do. Look at all of these descriptions of how we might respond when we encounter music that we don't expect, when we encounter notes and chords that sound wrong to us. When there's persecution, we respond with blessing, right? We change that note and bring beauty to it. Bless those who persecute you. Whenever there is rejoicing, we don't respond by rolling our eyes, by, by being jealous of whatever that person might be rejoicing, and we respond by rejoicing with them. We play along with the music. When someone is mourning or weeping, we don't just tell them, hey, it'll, it'll get better, you know, offer them some kind of cheap platitude. We mourn with them. We weep with them. We join our music to theirs. When there's someone in a different position than we are, and there is difference, we join them. We join one another. Be willing to associate with people of low position or perhaps people of a high position. Be willing to associate with someone different from you. We join our music together. As we listen closely, we adjust the music of the moment to welcome whoever is there. And, and Paul really is clear that this kind of listening, this kind of hospitality truly is radical. Right, look, look at verse 17. Do not repay who? Anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of who? Everyone. 
if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with who? Everyone. Paul doesn't give us any wiggle room. Our hospitality extends to anyone and everyone. The only way that we can offer a hospitality like this is for our love to be sincere. Which brings us right back to the beginning. To not have ulterior motives. To not have some, some second thing that we're trying to get out of the interaction. The only way we can offer this kind of listening hospitality is to truly be devoted to and honoring of one another. To trust that God is present and at work in our midst. Practicing hospitality and living in harmony with one another looks like, as we might say, giving each other the benefit of the doubt. But I think Paul might say, calling it giving each other the benefit of faith. We're called to be a faithful people. And so we don't regard one another with skepticism and doubt and suspicion. We regard one another with love. That's what it is to be a listening person. Offering this kind of hospitality. And the very last line of our passage, verse 21, says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This kind of love, this kind of hospitality, has the potential to transform the world. To overcome every evil thing with good. We're not called to, to force change upon the world, to, to make people act a certain way or, or do certain things. We are called to live faithfully. And simply by living with this loving sincerity, the world around us will be transformed if we can welcome others into that hospitable place where transformation can occur. I've been thinking of, of an example of this kind of living. And again, sticking with this music theme, I'm, I'm reminded of the sound of music, right? This house that is strict, where you know, the father has a way that things are done and the children are all kind of skeptical of whatever their next nanny and caretaker is going to be, into this household comes Maria. And she is a different kind of person. She's playful. She's loving. She sings. And she meets them where they are. And just by being herself, the house that she enters into is transformed. A place of stoicism and, and regiment becomes a place joy and celebration. And truly, she invites them into a new kind of song. 
And that home is transformed, right? And they become a singing family and, and go on from there. I love this story. There's another story of someone who entered a world at odds. And just by being himself, transformed it. It's the story of Jesus. Jesus came and faithfully lived the love of God. And everyone he came into contact with was transformed, utterly transformed. Can we be a people who offer that kind of listening? Who offer that kind of hospitality? I truly believe if we would just listen with love, the world would be transformed. May it be so. Amen.